Listen, honey, we are here with Professor Perez today, and I'm very excited to learn more about the idea of identity politics. I want to learn what the term actually means, um, how we play into identity is in groups, and also the stereotypes that work for and against different groups of people. Um, I'm so excited to have Professor Perez here with us today, so stay tuned. Honey. Oh, Dennis! <laughs> Ooh, snazzy! Brother with the um, intro. Um, let's see here. Where where is I? Okay, so basically, I basically am choosing topics that are near and dear to me. Okay, we try mm-hmm. to do a self help emphasis and um, absolutely we come from a place of education, absolutely, which we don't really have much of professionally or like you know, well, our com- or even educationally, yeah, like our, academically. Academically, we are very yeah, we're not traditional. Yes, okay? even though our parents wanted us to be, so. I would say basically, I don't even follow politics. I don't even po- follow news a lot. I know. Okay? Yeah. Do you? You do because of work. Uh, right? no, because I actually am interested, but I don't get into the super nitty gritty about politics. I really just focus on equal rights, um, issues that come close to home, as far as you know, protection of children, protection of women. Um, so I look at the officials that care about those things and then and then it kind of trickles down from there that beyond the priorities that i have gotcha okay so, so um so my friends always update me with stuff that's happening pop culturally yeah and um it was actually uh well it was actually okay it was it was when the when the snoop dog thing happened with i think gail king gail king right okay okay and then we're watching the video and i'm just trying to understand like what's happening in this situation mm. and somebody says to me like like um I can't believe that he did that to his own kind. Like um, saying that Snoop Dogg would talk bad about someone else that of his color, right? Right. And I just thought about that and I was like, it didn't make sense to me. And all all I could think about was identity politics, right? Because then- Which is weird that you even brought up that word because I've never heard of that word in my life. I- and Like, am I supposed to? What circles say the word identity politics? I- I guess academia, yeah. I guess like that's a like a school like teaching. Like the poli sci thing. thing. That's super yeah, that's right. okay. Yeah, yeah. So then and then and then the next week there was um you showed me this video of an Asian man collecting cans mm-hmm. and then him getting pushed around mm-hmm. by black people just like they take his cans or something like that. Yeah. And then I thought back like, Oh, so is that supposed to be okay? Like when you don't do it to your own kind? Right? And this whole thing of like, aren't we all the same kind? Like what what is this thing like that we're I don't know. So anyways, I have a Professor Perez here uh, to explain to us what identity politics is and why we group ourselves into these things and try to, I don't I don't know what the heck we're doing. Then when I learned from you of Professor Perez's work, Dennis, I took into reading some of your theses. Is that the plural for thesis? Theses? <laughs> I think so. Okay, great. <laughs> so, and I was really blown away by not only your level of intelligence, but your immense information behind the whole controversy and the definition of identity politics. So welcome to our show. Thank, Thank you. you for being here. Of course. Thank you for and having me. And he comes in looking so like a fish, man. <laughs> yeah. well, so you've explained to us that you're a dad. Yes. So as soon as Mr. Perez walked in, he has this sweatshirt with like this adorably knit lemur. 
Yes, guys. Yeah. The only time I've heard of a lemur, by the way, is from the cereal. There's like puffins and then there's lemurs on this one, like uh, this, this, this cereal that's at Whole Foods. So I see this and then you've got these textbooks and a notebook with a pen ready to go. I'm like, this yeah. dude writes theses <laughs> for sure. So like explain to us your background exactly, how you got into what you do now. Yeah, so I'm, you know, I went to undergrad. I was the first to go to college in my family. Actually, I was the first to finish high school, right? Dope. Which was Congrats, a big man. deal. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, people would tell you you should be a doctor, you should be a lawyer, but that seemed very like um, a very canned sort of path uh, for a career. And so I took a couple of courses in political science and the professors were incredible. And so I asked them, um, what do I got to do to do what you do? And so they told me, you know, you got to perform well these four years, then you go to school for another five years. I decided to that just to make school a career. And so, you know, it's been a pretty easy transition between, um, I think, my personality and what the job requires. That is crazy that you didn't know you would be into what you started mm. studying. And then as you studied, you found an affinity to it and you yeah. naturally started. That's I mean, that's what's supposed to happen in college, but I've never met somebody who actually followed that path. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Most people go to college because they think they know what they're gonna do, and then a lot of times people study because they think that that's their only option, and then not everybody ends up in that same degree that they landed. Sure. Yeah, I yeah. think it's a whopping like 80% of people don't actually follow through with their degrees later on in their career, so yeah. you really discovered your path through college and the first in your family to do it. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, huge. So yeah. identity politics. Huh? I'm going to read the definition and you tell me in like normal words what that means. Okay. okay. So identity politics is the tendency for people of a particular race, religion, gender or ethnicity to organize around that specific interest for the sole purpose of advancing that group without concern for anyone else. Okay. So in layman's terms, so uh, you're talking to your kids. What is identity policy? Identity politics is nothing more than... Um, you know, engaging the political system on the basis of who you think you are. And when I say who I think I am, who's the we here, right? And um, the, uh. the, the term itself, identity politics, I have a little bit of beef with it because it's a sort of right of center, almost like insulting term, you know, that, um, you know, this is America. Um, it's about individualism, not about groups. And the reality is that however... Um, idealistic that might be, um, psychologically we're wired to um, coordinate a lot of things um, via groups. Mm. It just so happens that only a really small set of um, the many groups that we belong to get captured um, by politics. Right. right. I find, as I'm discovering more what identity politics is, I actually really look up to people who are super passionate about a particular thing. I think they make our world a more enriched place when you are passionate about whatever it is you're fighting for. So whether it's mothers against drunk driving or you know people who are African Americans who really speak up and, and carry our Black Power Panther movement. Like I think about these groups and I learn more from them because I think you have to be super impassioned more so than the average person in order for us to actually make traction. But there are people who are not for identity politics. I think they I think what they're really saying is um, I'm not into 
uh, minority group politics, right? So I think many people sometimes fail to understand that as much as we pay lip service to um, being a, a society that operates on individual interests and needs and desires, um, you know, we're basically organized top down, right? Wait, so it, would that example mean somebody who's super black power, black pride, some would criticize that that's not a healthy place to think because then you're dismissing the other groups of ethnicities. Yeah. Ah, okay. And and then there's that whole conversation of if you're not Black Lives Matter, then you're All Lives Matter, and that is wrong. Sure. Right? There's that whole thing. It's actually just trying to um, almost insisting on being blind to the fact that there are social groups with grievances, with interests, with um, hopes, with aspirations um, that really you can't boil down to yeah. the individual level because a lot of people share them. Am I naive to think that for credible groups, and I say this meaning I guess that they handle, handle themselves in a nonviolent, sophisticated way to actually translate their message so that we learn, I think that those groups wouldn't dismiss the others as wrong or lesser worthy people. I would think that like somebody who's super proud to be Latino and, and fights for Latino rights isn't saying, oh, Asians suck and they're not superior to sure. Like, I think that, but is that naive to think that those groups- I wouldn't say naive, but I think that for people who are not part of the group, um, sometimes it's interpreted as being very narrow, right? That, uh, that essentially what you're saying is you're arguing for you, so what does that mean for me, right? Okay. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I could totally see how that could get misconstrued. Like when you say Black Lives Matter, it's like, that's not fair. It also feels like an affront towards- Huh. Oh, so but see, I wouldn't look at it that way. Because like, no, I look at it like we have known that black people have gone through a tumultuous degree of historic racism. So until that gets eradicated, which we're far from it now, they have a right to speak up and put more power where we can to be allies and to support them because it's been that way. And then I also agree, obviously, for Asians. I agree sure. for Latinos. Like, so I didn't think that. I didn't think like, oh, so you guys think that you guys deserve all the attention right now to fight for your rights where we don't? I would never think that. Sure. I mean, it's actually a really simple thing, right? If um, if advocates for Black Lives Matter, leaders of Black Lives Matter, really what they're saying is um, acknowledge this. Yes, and acknowledge when, it. And when someone said, no one's, no one's asking you to sign up for the fight. No one is asking you to be an ally. You're just simply saying... Um, just recognize that this is happening. And so when you have people that counter that with all lives matter, they're basically thumbing their nose at mm. that request. So right? it's the opposite. So okay. that's actually what leads to conflict. It's not that, it, you know, you're basically saying, um, when you say all lives matter, you're saying, um, well, I'm not gonna pay to, uh, any special attention to the unique circumstances that you just described that I think a fair amount of people do acknowledge. Um, I'm just gonna ignore it. Right. right. So in your work, do you sway one way or the other with certain groups that you identify with? Or are you basically in the research of all groups that quali that c fall under identity politics right. and what the controversy yeah, is? Yes. Like so my 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 view or my perspective that guides stuff is that um, all individuals, but especially racial and ethnic minorities are pretty complex, right? We have many categories that we belong to. So, you know, I came in here and people can't see me, but you know, I look pretty Mexican and I am, I'm Mexican American. Mm. Um, 
But when I come in here, I'm here not as a Mexican-American. I'm here, I imagine, as an academic, as right. a professor. Right. That's the category. That's the identity that's doing the work right now. Right. I'm Correct. not talking yeah. to you, right? So yeah. um, what's interesting to me is which of those many categories in my portfolio or in my repertoire um, is going to matter for a political situation. And that's that's a very tricky thing to answer because politics, as you all were describing, you know, I don't pay attention. That's not atypical. That's that's typical. Yeah. Right. Politics requires a lot of time, um, a lot of leisure time. It requires a lot of attention. Yeah. Um, and when there's so much stuff competing for your time and attention, whether it's job, whether it's other programming, good luck. Right? I can't imagine not identifying with some type of political group if you're in politics. Like, it's actually the people who don't identify with anything that frustrate me as far as my circle of friends. Right. If I have a friend who's kind of lackadaisical, like, oh, I don't really care. Gay rights and whatever. Um, you're Latina. Like, how much do you know about your culture? I don't really care. I'm American. Like, those people frustrate me. Oh, so okay. I actually want somebody to be somewhere on your scale of what you fit into. Like for sure. you, I know you're a dad. I think that you should have some passion about being a parent or sure. educational rights for your kids. Because you're Latino, I'd love to know that you know a little bit about your culture. If you're super proud American, okay, well then give me some culture about being an American and why that matters a lot <laughs> yeah. to you as, in a, as a Latino American. Like I don't, I don't identify well with people that just kind of middle of the road, like I don't care. Sure. That actually frustrates me, it's no, a pet peeve. so I guess, let Is me that see. bad that I, you no. know what I mean? Uh, so, you know, I couldn't bring in my, my, my vehicle inside the studio, but there's a massive, like, little Mexican flag, an American flag on the back, right? Okay. Um, you Wait, know, a massive little. What well, do you mean? sorry. I mean, what I meant to say was like it's pretty obvious when you're driving. Okay. You know, it's you know it's my truck. Wait, I kind of love if I go out there and you got this Impala with like hydro. <laughs> no, no, it's a pickup. It's a pickup. <laughs> um, but. I understand what you mean. You know, I'm what they call a high identifying um, Mexican American. That means, you know, I, I, I almost that? basically that the category itself is very central to who I am. It it it, it carries a lot of weight in my day to day interactions. Mm, yeah. Um, but when you're saying, you know, what am I passionate about? I'm passionate about about that when the occasion calls for it. Um, but, you know, in my professional dealings, what matters is my identity as a social scientist. So what I care is about is um, doing good social science that helps us illuminate, helps us better understand how uh, different non-white individuals actually think, behave, deal with politics. That's what I care about because, you know, there's less data about them. There's less theories that are developed about them. And it's usually th those, those two go hand in hand. They don't study them because the data are hard to collect. The data are hard to collect, so you don't study them. You go for the low-hanging fruit. So much of my career I've sort of I've, I've undertaken on the basis of um, making investments in, in better data collection, um, developing better ideas about how these individuals actually view the political world. Um, and you know that that's what I'm passionate about, but it's the hat that I wear is essentially my science hat. Yeah. Right? How do they actually view the world? I mean, I feel like a lot of it's they, so I think no they, one ever you, one of the reveals. simplest thing is that, you know, you know, who's they were referring to. So like not uh, people that are not racial or ethnic minorities. I think if you were to probe them, um, they would think that, well, don't they all think alike? Mm. Right. Um, 
aren't they all friends? Mm-hmm. Aren't they all allies? Mm-hmm. And the reality is like, no, they're actually just as complex as you. Yeah. They don't walk around all the time thinking that they're Asian or Latino. Right. Or sometimes they are churchgoers. Sometimes there's parents. Sometimes they're coaches. Sometimes, you know, their occupation is what matters. Um, and that's sort of what I what what I try to illustrate, right? That there's a right. lot more complexity, and a lot of what we take as, um, you know, they're all the same. We kind of take for granted. Yes. How when you look at uh, this is a guess, but when you look at like a hundred percent pie chart of people, how many percent do you think fall identify themselves as a passionate about some type of group or in some type of you know, you know so there's, actually, there's a and who doesn't how many don't i you know so like if we take any one group let's say let's take latinos in the u.s and we were to try to figure out a way you know how do we know that um you are down for the cause you know come hell or high water yep we would ask them a question that basically tells us on a scale of one to five um how important is being latino to your sense of who you are and there will be people like me who are basically at the fours and the fives, right? Because that category um, structures your daily interactions, whether it's in family, um, non- other non-professional settings. But then there are going to be people that are basically, you know, twos and ones. And it's not because they're sellouts and it's not because they don't care. It's because the category is just less relevant to them. Maybe their great-grandparents were the ones that were immigrants, but they're certainly far removed from the experience itself. Those differences matter. The ones who score four and five, those are the people that when Donald Trump is talking his trash, um, when any other white supremacist is saying, you know, these people are taking our jobs, go back to Mexico. These are the ones that basically lead the charge, you know, in terms of voter registration, um, asking people to to vote, mm. um, signing petitions, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And why do they do it? Because when they hear attacks like that, when they sense that their group is under threat, they got to do something to put that group in the best positive light. And that's a very psychological motive. It has nothing to do with politics. It has everything to do with, you know, what's going inside their heads. Mm. Okay, we have to take a break. But when we come back, I want to talk about how somebody becomes impassioned about what they should care about. Sure. If they should care about it, especially I have a question about ethnicity. And I also want to ask what we should learn from you since you've done so much research that it's a wealth of knowledge to have in this room right now that we wouldn't get on our own reading. So when we come back, stay tuned. Welcome back to Listen, Hanaya. We are sitting here with Professor Perez who is educating us on the understanding of identity politics. Now, going back to one thing you had said earlier, Professor, you said that when it comes to the term identity politics, you kind of have a beef with it because of the way that it gets taken, especially in politics. So what should we be calling it instead that would give us a little bit of a different perspective what it is? Just call it human nature, Mm. right? Um, No man or woman is an island. Right, and I think the biggest lesson from psychology, not from political science, but from psychology is that we're basically social beings, right? So the the ability for us to, or or the tendency for us to form into groups, they don't have to be racial, and that's actually an interesting thing in and of itself, but our tendency to form into groups is very psychological, and it has to do with 
um, simplifying our environments, right? Like our minds can only pay attention to a tiny fraction of everything that is coming at us. And so one of the ways that we simplify the world is by classifying things. And so we often classify ourselves. Now, where things get tricky is we come with the hardware to do that, right? Psychologically to put the, these kinds of people in this bin, these kinds of people in that bin. And it could be on the basis of skin color, it could be whatever. Um, what we don't come equipped with is the software, right? The, the ability to say this group is worse than that group. That's, you know, when people talk about groups being socially constructed, that's where the meaning comes in, right? Mm. We make the meaning and we make the meaning because oftentimes groups are vying or competing for resources, for prestige, for privileges. And so you gotta have a story, a narrative to get your followers to say, um, our group deserves this a little bit more, right? So that, you know, this whole thing about, um, uh, you know, anti-immigrant politics, right? What's, the, what's one of the most common critiques, whether in the US or beyond? They're taking away our jobs. jobs. And then you follow up with individuals. Um, you do know that they're getting paid like less than minimum wage. <laughs> Are you gonna do the job? No, but I don't want them to have it. Why? Because those belong to our group. Really, that's actually what they should be saying, right? right that that right. I don't want that group to have them because I want my group to have them. Right. They belong to my group, so. Yeah, I mean, it, but it's human nature. It's yeah. it's evolution. You know, long before we had these um, studios, we were out in the wild in the savanna trying to coordinate things, hunting, surviving, and so a lot of the 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 sort of psychological hardware that we have comes from that long ago, right? For it's sure. Just, Did you know that in Alabama, I think they tried to give the jobs back, right? They tried to. Uh, Nix all the Mexicans, uh, immigrants. Did you know that? Yes. That, and it did not work. It failed. No, what it, happened? It was a catastrophe. And then uh, basically, employers started nobody took the jobs. yelling, and they needed they needed immigrants back. They needed it back. No one would take the jobs. Whoa! I uh, remember one time. I, I can't remember the exact occurrence, but something happened in a news event where black people were unfairly treated, and one celebrity came forward and said, "In order to protest this." I think every black person should take a day off of work. And on that day, I happened to be traveling. My Uber driver was black. I landed at LAX. The person who checked in my luggage was black. The person who then checked my ID was black. The person who scanned me was black. Like I literally pictured and looked around me and I was like, wow, that would make such a tremendous impact. Then I you know, then moved that on to minorities, like in general. I can't imagine somebody who had actually like, I can't think of them anything less than ignorant to think that our country could survive without sure. the thread, uh, the threading of minorities. Right. So I, I, I just don't believe that there's actually people that still think that unless they're part of the Ku Klux Klan. So like, actually, it's not even that outlandish. So for the longest time, and I've always considered this bizarre, social scientists have thought that um, white people don't have an identity, right? That right. they just think of themselves as individuals. There isn't a group. You know when we started to discover that they actually do have an identity? When? When the census started trumpeting that by 2050, we were going to become a majority minority nation. Yes. And there were all these studies that basically showed if you, if you exposed white participants to that kind of message, they came out of the woodwork and they were, <laughs> they were basically more opposed to diversity, um, more supportive of restrictions on immigration. They reported themselves being more conservative. So what is that? That isn't, you know, a, a set of individuals who happen to be white. This is a set of individuals who recognize that they have a group 
that enjoys a lot of privileges, resources, more status relative to a lot of racial and ethnic minorities. Wow. And so they're, 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 you know, they find, they're finding that foothold loosening and they're clamping down. This is actually why Donald Trump became so popular, right? People are saying, well, you know, it was the economy, you know, neighborhoods were tanking, the white working class, none of that. That's silly stuff. That's, that's all, that's all um, nice language to basically window dress a more fundamental driver of, of what happened. And that's, there were a lot of white individuals who basically sense in the air that things are changing. It's not the America of yesteryear, mm -hmm. right? And the reaction is we got to take it back or at the very least we got to we got to stop like the the, the unraveling. Right. And so that's that's what you're seeing. It's actually a very reactionary um, sort of response to what's happening. Um, and it's 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 not unreal to think that, look, more numbers of racial and ethnic minorities is going to mean real changes. Right. You look at me on campus. Right. The academy happens to be mostly white. But then you you have people like myself coming into the ranks. That's way different than it used to be, right? Um, so, you know, people may not express it or use the best words or the most convincing words, but the underlying um, spark is, is, is something really basic, which is um, I actually like that my group is doing better and I don't want to give any of this up. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Do really you quickly, oh. uh, Marav would like to join in. <laughs> I also, I just, <laughs> well, uh, no, just yeah. like, I just wanted to, um, I, I'm just, I know that I would be remiss not to, uh, at least say something here because I am, um, I'm Jewish. I'm also what other people would consider just white, but there is an extreme community and sense of group identity in the Jewish world. And it is something that is the only reason why the Jewish people are still actually alive today. So um, I don't want anybody listening to feel isolated by what you said about white people not having a group consciousness until it came into the context of Donald Trump, because sure. um, I would say that that's not true completely. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I, what I was trying to say is that in social science, um, the usual depictions are if anyone has an identity, it's actually racial and ethnic minorities. But whites don't think of themselves that way. This is scientists talking. So this isn't me talking. So, yeah. so I yeah. mean a larger umbrella? Um, you know, they actually don't make too much distinctions, right? And, and if you look at sociology, uh, what they will tell you is um, it used to be the case that many Jews, many Italians, many other Southern and Eastern Europeans used to think of themselves as ethnics. And then it basically washed over once they started doing better. Right, mm -hmm. moving so out true. of their neighborhoods, getting better jobs, started to intermarry, and so they became "quote unquote" white. But um, they've never, you know, many social scientists have not taken seriously the possibility that just like racial and ethnic minorities, there are individuals who really strongly think of themselves as white and are um, invested in the group. So, not a white nationalist, just I recognize that I'm white and the category is meaningful to my day-to-day -day interaction. And then for those individuals who score really low, right? It's just like, well, it doesn't matter if I am white or not, it's not that big of a deal, mm -hmm. right? Um, that's something relatively new. Um, for social scientists in terms of measuring this, figuring out whether it has a political impact, and what I was really trying to say was, um, 
I always found that kind of bizarre because whites are also people. So why would psychologists say we all come with the hardware to think of ourselves into groups except this class of individuals? That's actually what I was what, what I'm trying yeah, to get. Yeah, so it, I get it better now. It's also like there's there's more ways of categorizing groups than sure. just on you know oh yeah and all that and yeah. etc. So I appreciate that clarification. I just you know. I hear you too, and I and I also think there's something unique about the Jewish community, um, or any group, whether it's by race or by religious group, when it comes to white. Um, yeah, because there are plenty of Jews that actually aren't white. Right, right, yeah. So I I can only look at the circumference of my friends, but I remember in school I had a very mixed group of friends, and the people that were of certain ethnicities. They were proudly those ethnicities, especially if their parents didn't speak the language. And then there were certain of my white friends who were just like super neutral. Like they super were like, I'm, I'm white. So it's like the other. They I don't know why they would place themselves in that. But when we would go into, I don't know, um, certain groups in school, there were always groups like step class, you know, and that was like a super like African-American affluent group. Or if it was like computer class I, w I had a computer economics group and that was all like Asians they would always just be like I'm the white person I'm the other so I'm just gonna blend it and I remember distinctly seeing oh white people categorize themselves as like they're just the other or the majority they're not the specific group I, I don't know why that that just programmed sure. in me when I was younger sure. and not that it's right or wrong and then weirdly when I had friends who grew up in those affluent neighborhoods where they were not there, they were not known for their ethnicity. Like I had Asian friends that were adopted into white families. They didn't speak the language. They didn't eat Asian food. They were very American. They were just like, I'm whitewashed. And it's not the right term, but it would make me go like, wait, what does that mean? Does that erase you of your passion to fight for, you know, but they really wouldn't care because they were never, they never had an, a, 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 like a relationship with their ethnicity. Sure. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah, yeah, but it varies family to family. I mean, um, in in my family, so, you know, I'm, I'm what they call the prototypical experience, right? So the average among Mexican-Americans. <laughs> so um, I was born here. My parents were foreign born. Um, we used to go to Mexico every Christmas, mm. sometimes spend three weeks. Oh, that's nice. We were Spanish dominant or still Spanish dominant. And you learned to speak the language growing up or not? Yeah, I mean, I didn't have a choice. Okay, right? that, but that's a big yeah. that's a big and then there difference. Are, but there are other parents just like mine who would basically want to shield their kids from learning the mother tongue. Hmm. And it's all, uh, they're all taking a risk in strategizing what's best for their kids. Right. Yeah. So my parents were of the mind and I mean, it, I don't know if it's wrong or not wrong, but they were of the mind. Hard to say. You are Mexican. No one is going to confuse you for anything but Mexican. Mm. So you stick with what you know, right? And, you know, it wasn't, you know, being um, pro-Spanish is anti-English. It was more, you're on two tracks. The home track is Spanish. The public track, going to school, is all English. Now, other individuals basically lose the mother tongue because they just never had any exposure. And, and again, not right or wrong. The parents are really thinking, um, I don't want my kid to make get made fun of. I don't want my kid to be excluded. I don't want my kid to become the other. Right. So, you know, this is this is how oh, people are are, are are negotiating a lot a lot yeah. of the stuff. You know, like my kids are now third generation. So their grandparents are the ones that came here. 
they have very little ties to the U to Mexico, but you know, and their Spanish is weak. But we've been very insistent on them having a, a strong sense of of positive attachment, right? So they know they're Mexican. I mean, actually, all their whole their first and middle names are anything but. They can't anglicize their names, right? Yeah. We did that on purpose, right? Um, you know, so they will probably score probably like a four or five if we were to assess them, even though they're pretty far removed from the immigrant experience, right? So a lot of it is just. What does that community, that category mean to you? Mean to, but yeah. it's socialized. It's not just you don't come equipped with it. No. And I think for a long time when I was younger, I used to be a, a lot more judgmental about, well, if you don't care about your ethnicity, then you must be a sellout or something like that. Mm. And then I realized actually everyone's trying to cope with mm -hmm. with the fact that we all recognize that. In my case, you know, I tell my students, you know, what you know, who are the best dancers? And they get shy and they want to tell you. Who are the smartest, right? And then who who are not the best students? That's my group, right? <laughs> We're the ones that drop out of high school. We oh, don't go shit. to college. Really? Yeah. Oh, shit. I mean, this is this is like the the kind of thing that you're very self aware about about your group, and so everyone is coping with that heavy load. How do I carry it? Do I want to basically prop up the group and say this is my group, no matter what, or do I want to distance myself from it? I mean, because that mm. that stigma, that that negativity, that's a that's a heavy load to carry, like psychologically. Random question: When it comes to media and jokes about stigmas and stuff like that, right? Like jokes that could be true: Asians can't drive, um, gays prance around. I don't know, just wow. like really bad. <laughs> yeah. I'm just making. I'm tell sorry. Me, tell me more. I'm giving you. <laughs> I'm giving you terrible stigmas that aren't allowed to be sure, said sure, today. Sure, 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 sure. Jokes about groups that could be true. Would you say that's bad for, is that bad for society to hear? Because then it drums in, you know, these these stereotypes and it keeps them there. I, or is it like fun to laugh it off as they are true? I don't know. So here, is a, stereo, so, so we got to think about stereotypes and what purpose they serve mentally. And then stereotypes, what what purpose do they serve socially mentally stereotypes are basically a consequence of have, living in a complex world so we over general generalize for everything mm -hmm. right we can't pay attention to all asian individuals so we basically try to mentally average yep. we can't pay attention to all mexicans yep. so we average and so we have these very coarse over generalizations that's what stereotypes are they're useful sometimes right but many times they basically lead you astray, right? Mm -hmm. So, for example, if 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 I've had people tell me almost as a backhanded compliment, your people work so hard. Mm. It's like all of us, <laughs> not all of us. There are some lazy ones, right? Um, and you're only going to know that if you actually paid attention to every element in there. Now, that's stereotypes. Like, why do why do why do our minds gravitate toward them? I don't think there's anything bad about that. We all do it where we get in trouble and where maybe we're in this world of like, is it bad, is when they get used to basically um, power struggles, right? One of the ways that we use stereotypes is to basically convince other groups, this is why you belong at the bottom. As this a is justification. Yeah, this is why you deserve the short end of the stick. Why? Well, you guys don't finish high school. You're getting, I'm talking about my group. Yeah. You know, you guys are getting pregnant at 18. 
Um, you're you're working dead end jobs. This is this is why you sh- we belong where you belong, right? That's where it gets a little bit tricky, right? Yeah. Where you're using the overgeneralizations to basically keep people in their place, and that, I mean, personally, I'm not I'm not I'm not a big fan of, and there is no uh, cognitive explanation for that except people are trying. Some people are trying to protect what they think is rightfully theirs from others who they think are less deserving of that. That's the, that's the, that's gotcha. those are two different uses for the same thing. Got you. When it comes to understanding identity politics, what do you think the average person, especially listening to this podcast should understand? Um that we all we all are participate in identity politics. Maybe it's not racial politics, but there are um, groups that we belong to that influence how we view the world. So when we think about Donald Trump's first election, right? And I, 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 he's not my favorite guy, but you know I think it's a good example. Um, there were all these uh, Access Hollywood tapes, you know, about him yeah. groping women and being highly inappropriate with women. And then what did we learn after the election? That a substantial number of females voted for Trump, right? And so what did people say? How could they? Are they dumb? And they're not dumb. They were good Republicans. They didn't vote as women. They voted as Republicans. Mm-hmm. And you only assume that they did the wrong thing as women if you assume that females only think of themselves as females. Mm-hmm. And you never stop to think that maybe they also think of themselves as Republicans or also think of themselves as gun owners or whatever you may be. You may have it, right? That's why you can think of yourself as white and as a supremacist. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, so, you know. <laughs> no, I'm just so, ringing, so, dialing Yeah, yeah, yeah I get mouth, it, I get you know? it. Like, yeah, so yeah. the difference between, you know, those, there are different, way you know there are different ways to be uh, a member of a group and i do think that the distinction between um thinking that your identity as white is important is far different than you being a white supremacist white supremacy is about being chauvinistic it's about my group on top it's about everyone else's inferior you uh, acknowledging that being white is an important aspect of yourself there's very little politics tied to that other than being white is central to who you are as an individual. It's not the only thing that matters, but the category does carry some weight for you, right? Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would just say that, you know, sometimes you have to, you have the, the one thing to always ask yourself, especially about identity and politics is who are individuals behaving as when we see them in politics? Are they Republican? Are they females? Are they minorities? Are they white? Are, and and it's actually tricky because you can come up with a host of um, answers to to that simple question. And figuring out which one's doing the work is what I have to do day to day with actual data. Where can we dive into more of your findings? Where can the average person? If you go to eoperez dot com, it's eoperez. Okay, eoperez dot com. That's your website. Yes. And this is where you publish all of your They're all there for educational purposes. So cool. (laughs) You are so awesome to talk to. Thank Thank you you for spending the time with us. And my fam, if you have questions when I post this, please do hit me up in the DMs. I will pass them over to you, um, Efren. And thank you so much for being with us. Of course. Awesome.